صلى الله عليك يا رسول الله صلى الله وسلم عليك يا سيدي ويا وابن مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة ويا عبرة كل مؤمن ومؤمنا ما خاب والله من تمسك بكم وأمنا من لجأ والتجأ إليكم يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز فوزا عظيمة السلام على الحسين وعلى علي بن وعلى أصحاب جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأنه خلق الزوجين خلق الزوجين الذكر والأنثى. Sweet in your gathering with the remembrance of Muhammad and Ali Muhammad. As a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Azimina, Al-Imam Al-Hussein, his family, and companions recite the second salawat. For Allah to shower onto this gathering with his infinite mercy and compassion, 
to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Sahib al-Asri wa-Zaman, recite the third salawat with the loudest of your voices. Can a Shia marry a Sunni? Can this marriage result in happiness? Does such a marriage last? As a Sunni parent, if your daughter comes home and tells you that she wants to marry a Shia boy, what should you do? As a Shia father, if your son comes home and he says, I want to marry a Sunni girl, how should you react? My father is Sunni, my mother is Shia. I don't know which madhab to follow. My husband is Sunni, I am Shia. He's okay with me being a Shia. But my mother-in-law hates the Shia. Can I avoid her? Can I make sure that she does not interact with my children? It is the 10th of Muharram. My husband wants to observe Siyam. He wants to fast. I want to go to Majlis. How can we come to terms? I genuinely am interested in a Shia boy, but I am Sunni. Do you advise that I enter this marriage? As a Sunni, I ask, what do you really believe in? Because we are told that you believe in taqiyya. I know this boy, he's a good boy. I want to give my daughter to him. But what if two days after marriage, he turns at somebody else? Because we are told that you hide a lot of the truth. And the questions concerning Sunni Shia marriages are limitless. There is no end to them. And it is a real topic. It's a real issue. And it must be addressed. Why? Because the greatest institution and in the religion of Islam is building a family. The greatest act of worship in the religion of Islam and in the eyes of God is bringing two individuals together and vows witnessed not by the people invited to the wedding, but the greatest eyes, the eyes of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I tell you, if you go and research the ahadith of Rasulullah, since we are discussing Sunni and Shia marriages, if you go and you collect all the books, Sunni and Shia books, 
and you bring together the hadith of Rasulullah only, you will find that the vast majority of the ahadith of Rasulullah do not discuss salah. The vast majority do not discuss hajj. The vast majority do not discuss zakat and wudu and ghusl. The vast majority of them discuss the affairs of the family. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam says what I ask of you is if you do a salawat you must do a proper salawat ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad Rasulullah, according to all Muslims, says, Whoever chooses to marry, guarantee half of their faith. Rasulullah speaks of a man who goes out in the morning and he hustles and he works hard to be a breadwinner for his home, for his family. Rasulullah says, this man, he is a mujahid fi sabilillah. It's as if he's fighting for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the battlefield. Rasulullah teaches that when a mother wakes up at night to suckle her child, the angels are there to erase her sin. On the most difficult day, when Rasulullah was putting an army together to go to Uhud. Many of you have come across the story. A young man came to Rasulullah, he's crying. Rasulullah says to him, young man, are you scared? He says, no, Ya Rasulullah, I am not scared. I am pleased to be joining you. But I left my mother crying because I ha she has no one to take care of her. I don't have a father, I don't have brothers, I don't have a sister, she's all by herself. So she cried, she said, maybe son, I'm never going to see you again. Rasulullah, when he was desperate for soldiers, what does he tell this young man? He says to him, you go back to your mother. And just like you made her cry, you should make her smile. Your battlefield is there. Your jihad is there. Go and take care of your mother. Therefore, there is no greater institution in Islam than the institution of marriage. And this topic is... A is of extreme importance, brothers and sisters, and you may ask me why. The number one reason is because we do not have the proper facilities for singles in our community to meet and get married. The youth know this. The parents know this. All the singles know this. But unfortunately, it seems the leadership does not. It seems that this 
concern constantly falls on deaf ears. And I am here to tell you that our greatest task is that we must be able to create families within our community and lasting marriages within our community. The job of this member is to create and rejuvenate this life within our community. Let us not be so concerned on how people are sitting in a majlis. Let us be more concerned on how they exit this majlis. What do I mean? I may be able to sit here for an hour and speak to you of the bravery of Imam Ali. And there will be 20 Naraya Haidaris. And many people might be happy. But when you leave, my daughter is still speaking to a Sunni boy. The parents are still asking the questions and they have not been answered. And that is why there is a detachment from the religious institution. Because it is time that we address real issues. And this does not only belong in our community. Even if you go to our Sunni brothers and sisters, you find that the most amount of attention is given to the line, the straight lines of the taraweeh prayers. And the makhraj of the reciter from taraweeh prayers. And the fact that every single person has to be there for taraweeh prayers. But do they understand what is being recited upon them? Do they have a chance to comprehend the verses of the Qur'an? Do they have the chance to create better families with what is being recited unto them? What good would it do if one hour of a lecture is we're speaking about the miswak and we're speaking about, for example, ahkamul salah and we're speaking about, for example, ahkamul wudu and the importance of jama'ah prayers. But within our community, people are suffering to find an individual to marry. Parents, can we please fix the sound? It's too loud. Parents are begging, pleading, our children are in the age of marriage. We want to make sure they establish families. And we want to make sure that those families that are being created are aligned with the teachings of Islam. And it is not happening. And like I said, we may be concerned about the optics. 
And some people, and I understand this very well, are extremely passionate about their love for Imam al Hussein. I am sure that it is out of love that they say this. And I know that Imam al Hussein also loves them and appreciates them. That this time of the first 10 days of Muharram is strictly for Aza. It is strictly to mourn. And I tell you, we have something to do Aza on and mourn about. And that is the number of singles in our community and divorces that are skyrocketing. And there is nothing that would please Rasulullah and the Ahl al-Bayt and Imam al-Hussein if we can amend our affairs at home. If you look as a Sunni, as a Shia, as a Muslim, if you look at the Quran, you find that the prophets of God bonded and created a special relationship with the youth. Look at the Prophet Nuh. He is mocked because surrounding him were all youngsters. The Prophet Ibrahim, he had a focus on the youth and he is referred to as a youth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entitles an entire chapter of Ashab al-Kahf to speak of the affairs of the youth and the importance of the youth. Musa similarly was a youth. And surrounding him were youth. Now let us come to Rasulullah Khatamul Anbiya. He chose his envoys and messengers to all be youth. Who spread Islam in Medina? Mus'ab ibn Umar. Go look at all the envoys that Rasulullah sent all across the Arabian Peninsula. He chose the youngest of his companions. Surrounding Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were the youth. Surrounding Amir al-Mu'mineen were the youth. In the 10th of Muharram, the superstars of Ashura, and the reason why me and you are gathered here today, the vast majority of them were youth. Tonight we sit here and we commemorate the name of Al-Qasim ibn al-Hasan, a young man from the camp of Imam al-Hussein, a man that Imam al-Hussein goes to him and he says to him, Bunayya Qasim, O oh my son Qasim, O oh my nephew Qasim, O oh my beloved Qasim, Kayfa tara al-mawtu dunak? You're about to approach death, you're a young man. How do you find this martyrdom that is fast approaching you? And Qasim ibn al-Hasan, he's very clear in his answers. He says, Ya am fi nusratika, ahla min al-asal. To give aid to you, to stand on the side of haq, it is sweeter than honey. Look at the companions of Al-Imam Al-Sadiq Salawatullahi Alayhi. He deliberately chose young individuals and he trained them and he sent them 
to the, great of, to the greatest of scholars for debate. Go read the biography of Muhammad ibn Muslim, Zurara ibn A'yun, Hisham ibn al-Hakam. Those individuals were all youth. Why is it that in the time of the prophets of God and the time of Rasulullah and the time of A'amma, those youth loved Islam? They were willing to give their life for Islam. They were not ashamed to be Muslims. But today, our children want to change their name. His name is Ali. He wants to call himself Alex. Why? Ali. You want to change Ali to something else? Why? Our children are ashamed to stand and pray in their schools. Why? Why are they not to be proud? Not what? Why are they not proud to be Muslims? It is because we have not implemented the Sunnah of Rasulullah. It is because we have not implemented the teachings of the Quran. It is us who are at fault. If they were the priority. If the religious institution listened to their concerns and addressed their concerns, they would once more be proud to be Muslim and Shia. And they would stand in the middle of their school and they will conduct their salah. And they will wear their hijab as a badge of honor. But those youth are seen, but they also must be heard. And like I said, this is a real concern. Because we have not yet properly addressed how they can meet each other, get to know each other, and get married. And let me say this, okay? If I don't say it tonight, I don't know when else to say it. Let me say this. It is extremely awkward, okay? Maybe it wasn't awkward for generations back, but it is extremely awkward to get a 20-year-old young woman and a 20-year-old young man to meet for the very first time. Sit across each other, salam alaikum as -salam. So how many children would you like to have? What is your ideal definition of marriage? What's your mom like? That does not work. It has not worked. Those individuals need to see each other, hear each other, serve Islam together, observe one another. And once they find that this person may be suitable for me in marriage, I have heard them ask questions. I have seen them in the book club. I have seen their service for the Ahlul Bayt. Now, oh father, I am interested in this family. I am interested in their daughter. Can you approach them? They've known each other. They have seen each other. They have heard one another. They're more comfortable engaging one another. But let us not separate them all year long. Not year, years. Years of separation. 
while they go to their high schools, they go to their colleges, they go to work, you go to work every day. And we know how to behave. We know how to behave at work, right? I hope we do. We know how to behave at our schools with the opposite gender. We know how to behave in our colleges with our opposite gender. But why is it that we assume we don't know how to behave with one another when we come to a majlis? And if God forbid we see two young individuals speaking to each other in this institution, in such gatherings, then the rumor is beginning. We start getting into things that, like I said, Imam al-Rada in his letter, he says, speak less. Do not get involved in things that do not concern you. Do not pray into the lives of other individuals. In fact, you read, we both read the hadith. We heard the hadith from Imam Musa ibn Ja'far. That says, if 50 people come and tell you this is the fact, what do you do? You say, it is none of my business. I don't need to hear this. Yeah, we do have social illnesses. And they must be addressed. And they must be fixed. If we want to win back our youth, if we want to make sure that there's a future for Islam in this country, if you are a Sunni Imam, if you are a Sunni individual, God bless you, you're doing Taraweeh, you're doing your congregation, you're doing your Salat al-Jumu'ah, but give priority to the youth. Address their concerns. And similarly, I would like to say this to all of America, all of Muslims in America. Allow me to just say this very quickly. It is okay for you to support an institution that is led by the youth even if you don't get recognition. Because youth, they don't have money. They don't have money, right? They don't have money, they're still students. Most of them are broke. So they need your support. And mashallah, Allah has given you wealth. I'm not speaking to you particularly, though Allah has given you wealth, alhamdulillah. I'm speaking to all Muslims in America, whether you are Sunni or you are Shia. If you care about the future of Islam, it's not important that you are recognized. It's not important that if you have given the biggest donation, you must sit in the front line. It's not important. It's not important that you are given a seat as a trustee. Let me say this, it's not even important that if you've given a million dollars that they name this hall after your father who has passed away. Allah knows. Allah will be able to direct all that thawab for 200 years towards the grave of your father. His name does not need to be mentioned there. Is that what we... Is that not what we believe in as Muslims? And also let me add that some people say, 
Well, I have a difference of opinion with them. Are you kidding me? You will have a difference of opinion with every other human being on the face of this earth. You have a difference of opinion with your father and your mother and your brother and everybody else. Having a difference of opinion should not stop you from supporting a cause that invests in the future of Islam. Better yet, let me say this. They made a mistake. I genuinely believe that they made a mistake. Okay. What's the big deal? Who's claiming to be infallible? Which institution can come out and say, give me donations and support because we are infallible? Haven't heard of that. People make mistakes. It's okay. How come nobody needs to entice me and encourage me and beg me to buy that Tesla stock? How come? How come nobody needs to encourage me to buy the Amazon stock? How come I don't call Jeff Bezos? Hey Jeff, listen. You know this one particular issue, I have a huge disagreement with you on. Do you try emailing uh, Elon Musk? Hey, I think this uh, Model X, the lights, I don't really like the lights. If you change them, we'll sell more. No, we don't. We look at the future of that organization, we look at the future of that stock, and then we pull the trigger on it. And we're sitting there to become wealthy. Same brothers and sisters, whether like I said, you are Sunni or Shia, invest in the future of Islam. That is important. Also, when I wanted to talk about this topic, in all honesty, and I found that there is a calling for it to be discussed because of the overwhelming amount of questions that I get, especially in Muharram, because you know the marriages, Sunni Shia marriages, they kind of can manage until Muharram comes and the wife or the husband, the Shia person wants to go to the majlis and then they come home and his wife sees his chest and it's red and she's like, what are you doing? And this is haram and my sheikh says, you're a kafir. And he says, no, you are a kafir, you're not coming to the majlis. And then you get the emails. That's the truth. So I went on YouTube and I searched Sunni Shia marriages and I looked at maybe 10 videos from prominent scholars, I'm sure I've missed many. Five Shia and five Sunni. I'm not saying what they said is wrong and what I'm about to say is right. That is not what I'm saying. But I'll say this, that I found them to be one-sided. Meaning the Shia speaking to a Shia audience, Obviously, he took some jabs at the Sunnis and shamed them and this and that. And the Sunni also did the same thing, speaking to a Sunni audience. In fact, one of them, I don't know if, if I should call this funny, if, if we should cry about this. But somebody called them Mufti, self-proclaimed Mufti, obviously. But with many followers. And is it okay for me to marry a Shia? No, they are kafir. That was the shortest video I watched. <laughs> and also shaming people who do this. And I beg to differ 
first of all, the Majlis of Imam al Hussein is not a place for us to shame anyone. Marriage is between two adults. If they choose to do this, that's a you know, decision they want to make. We're not here to shame them. We're not even here to tell you what to do. But we are here to enlighten our community and I'm going to try to answer this question for individuals listening, whether they are Shia or Sunni. And I know that within our community and within our audience tonight, we have individuals who have such marriages and come from such families. And I know many individuals watching around the world may have this concern. Therefore, if you are a Sunni or you are a Shia, if you are a Sunni father or you are a Shia mother, if you come from a Shia father and a mother and now you don't know what madhab to follow, I hope that the majlis of Imam al Hussein can bring some solution to you tonight. However, I want to say that before we examine this topic, and for us to fully comprehend this topic, we have to examine what we mean when we say Sunni Shia marriage. So number one, who is a Shia? Who is a Shia? That's what we'll examine at first. Number two, who is a Sunni? And number three, what is marriage? After your three loud salawats ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad, Let us begin by defining who is a Shia. And I'm not here to define a Shia according to my understanding, according to my definition. I will share with you a tradition that is mentioned in several of our prominent books, including Wasail al Shia. It's an encounter of a group of individuals with Al-Imam Ali ibn Musa al-Ridha. They come to him and they say to him, Yabna Rasulullah, we are your Shia. And he turns around and he tells them, please do not call yourself Shia. You are not Shia. Salman was a Shia. Miqdad was a Shia. Abu Dhar was a Shia. Ammar was a Shia. So, of course, they put their heads down. Then he goes on to explain who is a Shia. It's a very prolonged hadith. I'll, sh I'll share some segments. He says, number one, our Shia are those who give importance to Salah. 
Our Shia are those who give importance to zakah. The wealth of Allah does not sit in the pockets of the Shia. It is distributed as, it is distributed as it should be. Our Shia give importance to Amr bil ma'roof wa nahi anil. Now, some of us, we don't even know what that means. We think Amr al ma'roof and nahi anil munkar means that we go around exposing people. So if Jawad Qazwiri makes a mistake, I have to publicly advise him. No. If this brother here makes a mistake, I have to publicly advise him. No. Amr al ma'roof wa nahi anil munkar means that you go and you take this person to the side. And you say to him, brother, according to Amir al-Mu'mineen, al-Mu'min mir'atul mu'min. A mu'min is a mirror for another mu'min. So I care about you. I love you. I don't want people to say such things about you. I've noticed maybe you're making this mistake unintentionally. Maybe, you know, this is a better way to do things. This is a ma'ruf And some people believe that Amr bil ma'roof wa nahi anil munkar, you should not tell people who are holy. So I tell someone, I say, why didn't you tell this person he's making a mistake? Sayyid, are you kidding me? He's Haji Fulan. He goes to Ziyara every year. He's been to Hajj 50 times. You want me to teach him? Apparently, he still doesn't know. That is Amr al-Ma'ruf Don't go to some person that doesn't know how to pray and they're reciting Surah Al-Hamd wrong and then in the middle of Salah you're telling them, Hey brother, why are you standing in the front line? Don't you know the front line is only for those who know how to recite? That's not what we mean by Amr al-Ma'ruf al-Munkar. And they are known. They give importance to the Qur'an. And they are known amongst their people with what qualities? Which qualities? This is Imam al-Ridha. They are known with Sidqul hadith wa ada'ul amana. They only speak the truth. They don't bend the truth. They don't cheat people at work. They don't cheat they're on their taxes. They are truthful, law-abiding, honest people. Sidqul hadith wa ada'ul amana. And the amana that is entrusted with them, they take care of it, they value it. Now some people, they think the amana is if I come to you and I say, please sister, hold this and give it to me after the majlis. This is, you know, if she gives it back to me, then this is the best way of... This is not what we mean by amana. Amana is that we give people what they deserve. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, your neighbors, they have rights upon you. They asked him, Ya Rasulullah, how many neighbors? Just the one to my right and left? He says, 40 houses are surrounding you. Wallah, the guy next to me, I don't even know what's his name. Islam says he has a haq. Your neighbor has a haq. 
your friend has a haq. Your colleagues have haq. Your cousins have a haq. Your father has a haq. Your mother has a haq. Go recite Risalatul Hukuk of Imam Zain al Abidin. Your teacher has a haq. Your muallim has a haq. Your masjid has a haq. This is Ada al Amana. What else? They are known for their generosity. I tell you, brothers and sisters, we have the most generous community around the world. Don't get me wrong. The followers of Ahlul Bayt and those who attribute themselves to Imam Al Hussein, they have done the impossible. 20 million people go to Karbala and they're all fed. It's because of your generosity. The majalis of Imam Al Hussein are all taken care of, it is because of your generosity. But there are times when we are generous, we are giving, and there are times that we are not. And Imam al-Rada says that our Shia are known for their generosity. What else? They are known for their pursuit and justice. I don't have time to go into details anymore. They are known to be people of knowledge. Ulama, they are known for their fairness. If a young boy like this comes to you and he says, I am Shia, I am interested in your daughter, this is a Shia. But if your daughter is in the time of marriage and a young man comes to her and he, she says to him, are you Shia? Oh yes, of course. Ya Ali Madad. Okay, what kind of Shia are you? He doesn't pray. He doesn't fast. He doesn't pay charity. He doesn't speak the truth. He has no manners, but what? On the 10th of Muharram, this guy is standing doing matam and crying for Imam al-Hussein. MashaAllah. This is a Shia. What Imam al-Rida describes as a Shia. He is a follower of Ahl al-Bayt. What good does it do if he does matam on the 10th of Muharram, but your daughter is going to be miserable? This is what it means when we say Shia Sunni marriages. And for a, a, a Sunni parent, if you find a person like this and they are interested in your daughter, I would say that if they are truly the followers of Ahl al-Bayt according to this terminology, you don't delay the marriage. It is going to be for the benefit of your daughter or your son. Now what do we mean by a Sunni? By a Sunni, I don't mean someone who comes and says, I love Ali, but equally the same amount, I love Muawiyah. That's not a Sunni, and I'll tell you why. By a Sunni, I don't mean someone who says you're going to the remembrance of Imam al Hussein. I forbid you from going to the remembrance of Imam al Hussein. This person is not a Sunni. By Sunni, I don't mean someone who mocks those who mourn Imam al Hussein and do the ziyara of Imam al Hussein. Those people, you stay away from them. Not in marriage, not in your home, not in your family. 
all together, you put an X and you walk away from them. Don't even argue with them. Don't even speak with them. Because they don't even know what it means to be a Sunni. Go read your books. Go read Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Rasulullah told you to love Muawiyah or he told you to love Ali. Rasulullah told you, some people will tell you those are shiukh, scholars speaking on behalf of Islam, saying don't get involved between Yazid and Hussein. One of them was the Khalifa, one of them is the grandson of Rasulullah. This person he is not Sunni. I don't mean those such people, by the way. Rasulullah tells you, Inna al-Husayna masbahu al-Huda wa safinatun najat. Without Hussein, you cannot enter into paradise. And you're telling me don't get involved between Hussein and Yazid? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam himself cried for Imam al-Husayn. And you are mocking those people who cry for Hussein? Before Hussein died, before Hussein was killed, before Hussein was slain, Rasulullah cried for him on numerous occasions according to your book. Yes, by Sunni I mean someone who has a different fiqh, but someone who loves the Ahlul Bayt and doesn't just love them, follows them, shows his love to them because this is the Quran. Rasulullah was asked, Ya Rasulullah, how can we show our love to you? Allah says there is one way and that is to show your love to the Ahlul Bayt. قُلْ لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا إِلَّا الْمَوَدَّةَ بِالْقُرْبَةَ And they asked him, Ya Rasulullah, who are those qurba? He says, Hassan, Fatima, Ali, Hassan and Hussein. They are my Ahlul Bayt. Lahmuhum lahmi wa damuhum dami yu'limuni ma yu'limuhum. Yes, we have Sunni scholars who actually had and bared the true love of the Ahlul Bayt, such as An-Nisa'i. Imam An-Nisa'i, go read his biography. Imam An-Nisa'i was abused, he was killed. Why? Because he went, he said to them, I have this encyclopedia of hadith. They read the hadiths, they saw that there is no fada'il for Muawiyah. They said, where is the fada'il of Muawiyah? He says, Muawiyah doesn't have fada'il. The only thing that he has, Rasulullah says, لا أشبع الله بطنة. Rasulullah cursed him. What did they do to this man? Imam al-Hadith. They beat him. They paralyzed him. They expelled him. And he is the author of Khasa'is Amir al-Mu'mineen, Imam al-Nisa'i, Imam of Hadith in the Sunni school of thought. He has an entire encyclopedia on the Qasais, on the Fada'il of Imam Ali. He is a Sunni. Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, he is a Sunni. Imam al-Shafi'i, he stands in pride and what does he say? Ya alu bayti Rasulillahi hubbukumu. Oh, the family of Rasulullah, your love, fardun min Allahi fil Qur'ani anzalahu. It is a must. It is a fard. Just like salah, just like siyam, just like hajj. We must love you. فَرْضٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ فِي الْقُرْآنِ أَنزَلَهُ كَفَاكُمُ مِنْ عَظِيمِ الشَّأْنِ أَنَّكُمُ Enough said in your honor is that if we do not send our salutations and salawat onto you in our daily prayers, our prayer is باطل According to all Muslims, all madhahib, you have to salute Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad in your salah.
This is a Sunni. But for you to get into a marriage with someone who's going to mock the Ahl al-Bayt and the followers of Ahl al-Bayt and the majalis of Ahl al-Bayt and Shafa'ah and tell you that you are grave worshippers. It's not Islam. This is not Islam. Islam was never understood to be this way. And third, with this I conclude. By the way, I want to say this. Some people say, Sayyid, but this does not exist here in America. This is like in different countries. I don't want to mention no countries now. This Saturday, this Saturday, the 11th of Muharram, the biggest festival is taking place in Los Angeles by the Mufti of the United States. He is involved in this, the festival of Eid al-Adha. One month after Eid al-Adha on the 11th of Muharram, everybody's going to a carnival and they're laughing and they're praising and they're eating ice cream and they're joyful. And when they emailed them saying that this could have been the 10th of Muharram, now it is 11th, but it's a day of mourning and sadness. He says, we fast on the 10th, but we did not know that there is any significance for the 11th of Muharram. The day in which the calamities fell onto Rasulullah and many Sunni Imams, they will talk about Malcolm X, they will talk about Martin Luther King, they will talk about some guy that's getting slapped in some grocery store. But 10th of Muharram comes, nobody mentions Hussein. Nobody tells his congregation of what happened to Hussein. Yes. If even if you are Sunni and you're marrying a Sunni, don't marry someone who's going to take you to that carnival on the 10th and 11th of Muharram. Don't. Because Ahlul Bayt, according to the Quran and Islam, have a position that cannot be compromised. You as a Sunni, you must love the Ahlul Bayt. You must mourn for the Ahlul Bayt. Third, Okay, now we know Sunni marriage, we know who's a Sunni, we know who's a Shia, we know the importance of marriage, but why do people sometimes get married? Why do we have so much divorce in our community today? Why? It's because some people, they get married just to run away from Pakistan and Iran and Iraq and Iran. They want to come to America. And when they get here, they don't want the spouse. So what happens now? Those are real issues. I don't even know this person. He came two weeks to, for example, my village. I got to know him. I got to know her. We got married. Now I come here and I understand I can't live with this person. Number two, some people marry because of pressure. Okay, fine. You know, let me just get this over with. Number three, some people, they get married because of wealth and beauty. I had a lot to say about this, but I'm just going to say wealth and beauty. Rasulullah says, whoever marries for those two reasons, only lam al hasna, will never find happiness. Some people, they want freedom. So he wants to run away from his dad's home. So that every night he can go and he can sit in the shisha cafe, smoke shisha. That's why he's getting married. Such marriages will fail. Why should we get married then? We said marriage is an act of worship. Get married fi sabilillah, for the sake of Allah. 
And I tell you, brothers and sisters, there is no marriage more valuable to Allah, more beloved to Allah, than a marriage that tries to construct another unit in the name of Imam Al-Hussein. To have children who will be the Khadam of Imam Al-Hussein. To expand the army of Imam Al-Hussein. I'm not saying this from my own self. Tomorrow, as we will discuss Qamaru Bani Hashim, Abel Faddal Abbas, I will tell you of the position of Abel Faddal Abbas and the marriage of Amir Al-Mu'mineen with Ummul Banin, so that the product can be Abbas. This is a marriage that lasts. This is a marriage that echoes for eternity. Let our marriage be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And tonight is dedicated to an offspring of such a marriage, such a union, though his father, Al-Imam Al-Hassan Al-Mujtaba, died when he was barely a baby. He grew up in the house of his uncle, Al-Imam Al-Hussein. He grew up witnessing his uncle, Abu al-Faddal Abbas, who never called Imam Al-Hussein by his name. Because he had been taught that Hussein is not your brother, he is your Imam, he is your master. And this young boy Qasim, he must have seen his uncle Abel Fadl Abbas. He must have seen Ali al Akbar. He must have seen his uncle Al Imam Al Hussein. And therefore, when the Maqatil say all of Bani Hashim fell, Ali al Akbar had gone. Abbas had gone, all of the family of Imam al-Hussein had gone. This young boy came to al-Imam al-Hussein. And he says to him, Ya Am, Ya Aba Abdullah, then leave al-Biraz. Give me permission so that I can go. Imam al-Hussein, he saw him and he had not even hit puberty. So Imam al-Hussein says to him, Oh young man, I want you to stay with your mom, with your family, and you remind us of your father, Imam al-Hassan. I would hate to see you go into the battlefield. So he goes and he tells his mother, his mother says, we knew that your uncle, Imam al-Hussein, would refuse, but I am here to give you a letter. Take this letter to Imam al-Hussein. Allow him to read this letter. Al-Qasim comes into the tent of Imam Al-Hussein. He says to him, Ya Aba Abdullah, my mother has this letter for you. Imam Al-Hussein opens the letter and then suddenly they see the tears of Imam Al-Hussein descending on his chest, his beard, until his beard is full of his tears. He says to him, Oh uncle, what is it in this letter? He reads the letter. He says, this letter is from my brother Hassan. He says, Ya Hussein, Ya Aba Abdullah, there will be a day that you will be all alone in Karbala on the heats of the deserts of that land. Bila Nasrin Wala Mu'een. Where there will be nobody to hear your sky, to hear your cries. There will be nobody to come to your rescue. I will not be there. My mother, my father, Rasulullah. And you will be all alone. I could not be there to assist you, but take my son. 
take my son so that he fights on my, on my behalf on the 10th of Muharram. The maqatil say, Imam al Hussein says to him, Qasim, stand up, come to me so I can hug you for the last time. He hugged him, he smelled him, then he told him, Qasim, I want to put the amama of your father on your head. Allahu Akbar. The maqatil say when he came out and they looked at him, it's as if they are looking at the full moon of Imam al-Hasan's face while he was wearing the amama of his father, Imam al-Hasan. Then Imam al-Hussein says to him, Oh son Qasim, before you go, I want you to go and pay a visit to the tent of the woman. Huh? Give your goodbyes to your mother. Give your goodbyes to your auntie Zainab. They went. They all cried. And then Qasim came out bravely. And he called out with Qasim ibn al-Hasan, brothers and sisters, wherever you may be for the love of Qasim. Hasan. <laughs> If you don't know who I am, let me tell you who I am. I am the son of Hassan. I am the grandson of Rasulullah. I am the grandson of Al Mustafa. هذا الحسين كالأسير المرتهن. And this Hussein, my uncle, he has become like a prisoner. He has no way to escape. Therefore, I am standing here to defend him. بين أناس لاسقون صوب المزون وكان وجهه كفلقة القمر and they all looked at him and they were infatuated with the beauty of this young man's face فَقَاتَلَا قِتَالًا شَدِيدًا حَتَّى عَلَى حَتَّى قَتَلَا عَلَى صِغَرِي سِنِّهِ خَمْسَ وَثَلَاثِينَ رَجُلًا Though he was a young man, 15 years old, he, th he killed 35 of the enemies of his uncle. Then Ashab al-Maqatil, the narrators, they say he stopped because his slippers opened. So he was bending to fix his slippers. Umar ibn Sa'd says, do you know who those people are? They are the son of Ali ibn Abi Talib. You cannot face them one to one. Go to the man and finish him. A man came and he hit Qasim with an iron pole on the back of his head. He collapsed and he shouted, Ya Am Adrikni. Ya Am Alaykum salam Oh my uncle Hussein, my salams on to you. Imam al Hussein came to him. He held him in his last moment. He says to him, Qasim, what do you see? He says, Oh uncle Hussein, on one side I see my mother of Fatima. And on the other side, I see my grandfather, Rasulullah. Imam al Hussein put him towards the Qibla. Aywa Husayna. Wa Mazluma. Wa 
وتشهد الشهادتين يسدس شهادة وفارقت روحه الدنيا All of us together وقاسما ومظلوما وشيدا All of you who have حاجات who have love for Qasim, for Imam Al-Hussein, this is the time. Ya Sayyidana wa Mawlana, inna tawajjahna wa istashfa'na wa tawassalna bika. All of us together, I'm not gonna read, I'm gonna let you enjoy this moment. You and Hussein, you and your loved Hussein. Ya Sayyidana wa Mawlana, وَقَدَّمْنَاكَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ I don't want anybody to, to remain silent all the way to the back of the hall, the front, young, old, whoever you are, this is not the time for you to be shy. يَا وَجِيهًا عِنْدَ Very short dua, oh Allah, every man and woman in this majlis with a sin, forgive our sins. Oh Allah, we all need your assistance and your help and your care when it comes to our family. Give us from your aid. Oh Allah, every mu'min and mu'min in this majlis with an illness, give us cure. Give us the ziyara of Hussein. Give us the shafa'a of Hussein. Oh Allah, we ask you to hasten the reappearance of the son of Hussein. Oh Allah, we have had our shortcomings, but accept this small insignificant aza from us for the household of Rasulullah. And send the thawab of this majlis to the soul of all those who have participated, aided, and helped, and all the mu'mineen and mu'minat around the world. Al-Fatiha ma'as-salawat.